Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi and welcome to episode 31 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I am looking forward to you hearing today's letter from a woman who has been experiencing the diet binge cycle since she was a teenager. And now in her 30s, she has just been diagnosed with a number of health conditions, namely prediabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome, which are very common, yet many people don't know about them. And they also have this complex way of making our body experience food, and it can be this kind of tug of war. And unfortunately, the cultural kind of conventional way of treating some of these conditions can just make that tug of war just even more intense and more of a battle. So I look forward to you hearing the letter. And even if you don't have any of these conditions, I have a feeling you can connect to the experiences and that kind of tug of war. Before we get to the letter, I want to let let you know that in September, I will be launching the next round of the in-person polycystic ovarian syndrome and food peace group 
that I have. It's a three session um, class where I go over my nine keys to promoting health and food peace with PCOS. I'm looking forward to it and I hope I can see you there. So if you live near or within a drivable distance of Greensboro, North Carolina, give me a call. Or you can email me at thelovefoodpodcast at gmail.com to reserve your spot or just to get some more information. So please do so. I would love to talk with you in person about how you're experiencing the podcast and also be able to fill you in on these nine keys. So let's go ahead and listen to this week's letter. Dear Food, where do I begin? You can be my best friend and worst enemy all in the same bite. We have a volatile relationship. I use you to deal with my emotions and to relax. My doctors and I blame you for all my health issues, including PCOS, prediabetes, sleep apnea, and plantar fasciitis in my feet. Over the past four years, I have worked very hard with a therapist and eating disorder dietitian on healing my relationship with you. Ever since puberty, I've been on a diet binge cycle that has always and ultimately led me to more weight gain and shame. I know that the only way to heal is to accept my body and let go of perfectionism around you, food. How does this work when I am constantly told that the solution to my health issues is to lose weight? After I was diagnosed with PCOS and prediabetes this year at age 32, I went through a two-month period of fear of you food. I put myself on a strict diet, except I didn't call it a diet. It was how we would live together from now on food. It was for my health not my looks. So it was okay. Fear and restriction of you led to some weight loss and a sense of excitement. I believed I would be the first woman in history to 100% cure her PCOS, not just manage it. Food, you and I were finally getting along. This new restriction of you would benefit my future and my childbearing potential and prevent type 2 diabetes. We were doing something important together. Food, it was no surprise to me a few months later when the new lifestyle was too hard to maintain. I could no longer stand the sugar and carb cravings and went back to binging. I felt like a failure. Presently, I weigh the most I ever have. Food, the very types of you that I am told I'm not supposed to eat like sugar and carbs are all I want. I know in my heart I am not a failure and that dieting is the problem. I believe what Janine Ross says, that for every diet, there is an equal and opposite binge. But food, I'm still in a predicament. Any solution I have been told to manage PCOS is with restriction of certain foods and weight loss. Yes, the very things that always make me feel like a failure and cause me to actually gain weight. But aren't some women with PCOS in smaller bodies? Food, I'm confused. How do I let go of trying to change my body and still manage my medical issues? In my heart, I know that the only way I will live healthfully is through body acceptance and without diets. How do I do what's best for my health without dieting? Sincerely, in a predicament. 
Hi there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your words. And I can appreciate from your letter that you care deeply about your health. And I also can tell that for years, you've worked on on improving it using many different options and angles that have been thrown at you and um, you know, explored with different healthcare providers. And, you know, you've tried very hard. Something that you've been able to gather through all this trying is that every diet led to a binge and every diet led to weight gain. Something that we know to be true with research is that dieting is the greatest predictor of weight gain. So your experiences are following what we're seeing in research as well. And interestingly enough, the behavior that is also the greatest predictor of an eating disorder is dieting too. So if someone is trying to gain weight or trying to have an eating disorder, dieting is the one behavior that'll predict that outcome. So, um, you know, I know from your own experience that you have found that dieting does not promote the outcomes that you've been told to seek or that you're looking for. And so I do agree with you that, you know, dieting or restricting will not promote health. And I know that's a really tough sort of pill to swallow because it is countercultural. And, you know, research has certainly been consistent with what you've experienced. And as you go through time and you have conversations with folks about managing your diseases, I think it's important to have a conversation with them about what you've experienced and how dieting affects your body. And you can also, you know, bring some research that I'm going to put in the show notes that you can pass out to anybody that is um, not wanting to kind of go along with your um, need to no longer pursue weight loss. I'm so excited to read that you are working with a therapist and eating disorder dietitian. So I'm assuming that they're on your side with that, but really for other people that are on your team, it may be helpful to, to provide the research. So what I'm going to do in the show notes is I'm going to put links to um, the research behind dieting is the greatest predictor of weight gain. And I also have a great video that Evelyn Triboli, the author of Intuitive Eating, put together about that research and then some other ones too, to just further enhance the understanding of this concept. So something that you brought up in your your letter is very near and dear to my heart, and that is PCOS. And for you, listener, if you're not sure what those letters stand for, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And this is a condition that women experience. And it's something that we don't know too much about yet. It is a condition that has not had a lot of research until really the last 10 years, but it's something that affects at least one in 10 women. I've read something recently that said it was more like one in six, which is uh, amazing to, to think that that many people are experiencing this hormonal dysregulation. Um, yet we still just don't know really how to treat it or the complete cause of it. But one thing we do know is that there is a genetic component to it. So letter writer, I don't believe that anything you ate caused the PCOS, nor the diabetes, because the prediabetes etiology is probably linked to that PCOS. Um, And, you know, PCOS is something that, again, is really near and dear to my heart. 
But it's really funny to me because when I finished my grad school training in counseling, I have a grad degree in mental health counseling. I really didn't want to work with particular medical conditions anymore. Um, at that point, I was a certified diabetes educator and was used to working with in populations of people with chronic diseases, especially with children. And um, because of this this grad degree and and mental health counseling, I really got more into behavior change. And I also really was interested in eating disorders. And so I left that part of my career behind. But something really interesting happened. You know, after a few years, I noticed that a lot of my clients with eating disorders and any type, whether it was anorexia, nervosa, bulimia nervosa, or binge eating disorder, um, a good portion of them had this PCOS. So I thought that was interesting. And I started to dig through my training. I couldn't recall a lot of training and working with this, but I was seeing so many people with it. And what I found was a lot of people just said to treat it like diabetes or pre-diabetes. And since I had um, this certification in treating diabetes at the time, I thought I was well-equipped. But what I found is that it really wasn't helping that much. It, it seemed like my clients with this PCOS condition really... Um, their, their health wasn't improving and their binging or the otherwise eating, other eating disorder behaviors were still um, affecting their life and really impacting it in a negative way. So I sought out extra training and I connected with this woman named Monica Woolsey, who's a dietitian out of Phoenix, Arizona. And she is someone that was doing some really progressive research with PCOS And she basically took me under her wing and provided training to me on ways to manage it. And what I learned from her was that basically when a woman with PCOS has more cravings or has more symptoms of the disease, and again, listener, if you're not familiar with PCOS, it is this hormonal dysregulation that ends up affecting many parts of the body and how the body experiences things like eating, um, food, metabolism changes. It also affects a woman's um, ovulation. So many women with PCOS have abnormal periods or really heavy periods, or they don't have a period at all. A lot of women with PCOS, because of the hormonal connection, end up having really high testosterone levels, which makes them have more hair on their face but then also uh, male pattern baldness and um, central adiposity. So more fat around their stomach area. So these are all things that, as you can imagine, for many women affect their body image. And what comes along with it is this weight gain for many people with PCOS, not everyone, but for many people with it. And the, the, the thing that happens with PCOS is this really high circulating insulin level. And high insulin levels basically just is a a growth hormone. It's something that makes a person's body weight increase pretty rapidly. And many of my clients would find by um, doing some pretty hardcore restricting or cutting out a lot of food, that helped initially with some weight loss, but it always would come back. And so a a kind of like a starvation binge cycle is a really common pattern with PCOS, just like this letter writer. And um, over time, many people with PCOS find that they can restrict or limit their foods 
way more than is recommended and they still do not lose any weight. And in fact, I have a lot of clients with PCOS and anorexia, but if you saw them walking down the street, there's no way you would assume they had anorexia because they were in a a fat body. And unfortunately, that's something that leads to um, misdiagnosis of their eating disorder because there's this experience in a fat body where if someone goes to the doctor and says, you know, I'm, I'm only eating this XYZ calories way lower than a person's body needs. And they, a lot of times people get this experience of not people not believing them that there's just no way that they're eating that little because how could they really maintain that weight, that low weight? It really stinks. And, and for me, I was on that. I, I did that as well because it just, quote unquote, didn't make sense. You know, after a while, though, after you hear it 10, 20, 30 times, um, I think you have to come to this realization that everyone's not lying, that maybe um, I need to really listen and and believe people. And it is something that I now is part of my like box in my head <laughs> where I check off, you know, if someone is talking about restricting their calories a lot and they're still in a larger body. I, I want them to rule out polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's something that all too often is not on people's radar. So what um, Monica Wolseley taught me um, when she was training me is that whenever a woman experienced more cravings or noticed a weight change or had more symptoms, maybe noticing more hair on their face, that it was a sign that the the condition needed to be um, looked at, that it needed maybe different management, whether through health choices or medicine, and to not necessarily just blame the person, like that, that they did anything wrong, because this disease is so complex. You know, because of the hormonal involvement, it affects so many parts of their body. You know, I had wrote this blog post many years ago about PCOS, and it's the title is, is PCOS is not a pamphlet disease, because I think people just assume that it affects the ovaries and it, it leads to infertility for some women, but it also can lead to mood disorders, ADD, ADHD, constipation, bloating. Um, it also can lead to, um, like this letter writer, to prediabetes. It can lead to eating disorders and um, overall this like sense of negative body image um, because the body's experiencing um, food differently and it's just not able to be quote unquote controlled in the same way. So I wanted to let you know about that part, letter writer, that that training in that if you notice things are kind of going haywire with your body, it's it's important to take a step back and bring it to your healthcare team that maybe you need to manage the PCOS differently. And again, I'm glad that you have that team because obviously, you know, over a podcast, I can't give you too much specific guidance, but really just some general um, ideas, you know, really lean on them to advocate for you to help find the care that you need. Because something that's really important that you said that I do want to disagree with is that food and um, your weight have caused all these problems. We know that PCOS has a genetic component. And I do think the prediabetes is a part of that for you. And, you know, the there are people out there that have PCOS that are in smaller bodies. So something that you can do is, um, you know, again, lean on your team for this to help advocate for you. But I would, you know, ask your healthcare providers that are pushing the weight loss or pushing certain restrictions, 
I would ask, you know, what do you tell the clients with PCOS or prediabetes or plantar fasciitis? What do you tell them when they're in a smaller body? So your thin clients with PCOS, how do you recommend they manage the disease? And I say that because first it's standing up for yourself and um, really pushing the 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 weight stigma that they're putting on you and letting and kind of giving them a mirror to show that that's what they're doing to you, but also to kind of help their brain make that shift and be able to give you some recommendations. And a lot of times they'll be able to say, you know, it's maybe we can look into your sleep patterns because sleep disorders are also common with PCOS and they end up affecting insulin levels and cravings and all that. But also um, maybe there's a medical management with um, certain, certain medicines that they can also offer. There may be different ideas that they can give you that may not be on your radar because of looking at a fat body. You know, sometimes it's just the first thing that people want to try to control and police basically. So, you know, it. I appreciate that doing that type of work takes so much energy. Um, and really, you shouldn't have to have that on your shoulders. You shouldn't have to coach healthcare providers on how to advocate for you and to offer different um, types of interventions that are not diet focused. So I can appreciate if you don't feel like you can do that. And if you can, you will be helping other people because it's something that will eventually help those healthcare providers to be able to maybe look at it a little bit differently. So you ask in your letter, how can you do this? You know, how can you manage your health and make peace with food? And through my training, something that I was taught to do with PCOS is to let the PCOS guide you. And if you don't experience PCOS, if you're listening and you just don't experience it, something that's really hard to comprehend is how crappy this condition is because it does affect every part of her body. And, you know, when someone with PCOS describes the cravings for carbs or sugar, it's not like a craving that you and I may have where we're just kind of like, oh, I really want to have that or that would taste good. It's a craving that really every cell in her body needs it because of this um, inability to metabolize the carbohydrate, which we need in order to fuel our brain and other parts of our body. Um, it's literally not able to get in the cell for energy. So the body is sending out signals through other hormones to hurry up and get some glucose and get it now. So walking past a plate of brownies or a loaf of bread, it's going to feel like you need to attack them in order to save your life. So that's why not binging or not falling through with a craving is so incredibly challenging and also futile because eventually the body's physiology in order to keep you alive, it's going to promote that experience. So whenever a person has more cravings um, and they're working with me, I do encourage them to talk to their doctor about looking at the the medicines they're using, maybe see if they can change some of those. There's also, um, with PCOS, I've basically just been able to come to terms with it, that a woman with PCOS is just gonna need more protein than other women. So, you know, checking with your dietitian to see if you're getting enough of that. I'm gonna put some um, links in my show notes on 
um, some other things with nutrition that you may find helpful that you can also bring to your dietitian and, and decide if that's something that would be health promoting for you. And um, so protein is one of them. There's also some supplements to try out to see if that can help. And what you may find then is as you spend a few months trying to kind of tweaking those, eventually, if you do feel energized by certain foods, keep those in mind. You know, you may find that eating chicken or cheese or, or, or certain things just feel really um, energizing to your body. But yet some other foods, I mean, really, it's so individual, I can't even name them. Certain ones may make you just feel really sluggish or sleepy or give you a headache. And you also want to note those. Um, so far, what I've, I've been able to gather is polycystic ovarian syndrome is very individual. Um, there's different types, which we're really, they're not really well defined yet. And so what we need you to do is just to kind of help just gather data on which foods and behaviors feel energizing to you and which ones don't. And the ones that don't, you know, just if you avoid them or if you do have them to make sure you put the um, emphasis on that it was the food's fault, you know, it wasn't your fault. Um, It's just that one for you does not feel energizing. And, you know, women without PCOS, they're not going to have quite as clear of an answer when they have a craving or if they have a food that makes them feel sluggish. It's not going to feel quite as extreme. So I hate to call it a benefit or a perk, but it's going to be much clearer to you, letter writer, and any woman listening with PCOS when a food is going to be health promoting or not. You're going to feel it much quicker than women without PCOS. Um, Also, you know, a recommendation oftentimes with PCOS is to get more exercise. And what I find with women I work with is that if they just are feeling so fatigued, um, they just have no energy to exercise, that's also a sign that they probably aren't eating enough food or they're not getting enough protein or they're omitting a food group that they shouldn't be totally omitting. And once that's more balanced, that, that also then starts to fuel the muscles. So then it doesn't feel like you're carrying around a bag of rocks when you're trying to go on a walk. And um, that's a great way to know if you're on the right track as well. The other part of it too is making sure that you have good sleep hygiene, you know, protecting your sleep time and having a nice ritual for when you go to bed and waking up, avoiding screen time before you go to bed because the blue screen associated with our um, cell phones and um, tablets and computers can interrupt um, or disrupt rather our circadian rhythms that help with the sleep process. And hormones are how we fall asleep and how we wake up. And so someone with PCOS that is experiencing this hormonal dysregulation, they're also going to have poor sleep. So you got to do whatever you can to protect your sleep. So I know that's a lot to think about, and it's a lot to bring to your team. But for you, letter writer, I'm so thrilled to have this letter from you because I don't know why, but you know, with so many people affected by PCOS, it's just not talked about that much. And um, that makes me really sad because I feel like, you know, those of you with PCOS, you need to, to come together, support each other, advocate for each other. And I see that food has has written us back. So I want to hear what food has to say. But until then, I really encourage you to believe in yourself, lean on your team. And when things feel like they're, you know, going bonkers, 
to take a step back and consider maybe what you need instead of just blaming yourself. Take care. Dear in a predicament, ever since you were a teen, we've been in a tug of war. We wonder if PCOS was starting to affect your body then and you were told the changes were your fault or my fault. Let's stop blaming each other because it's keeping you from healing and health. Rather, walking away from the pursuit of weight loss and looking within. Your body has a lot to say about which behaviors provide peace. Let you, your therapist and dietitian, examine them and follow its signs pointing you to health and food peace. You may notice the path is not as tough to climb using your body as a guide. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care.